not all efficiency translates to productivity, but I think it's created enough room to both drive increases in productivity, but also to free up the bandwidth for the radiologist to help drive patient care. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Radiology Report podcast, where we are having conversations with the leaders transforming radiology today. You can find us on radiologyreportpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Daniel Arnold. It's with that intro that I'm so excited to welcome today's guest, Josh Duncan. Josh, welcome to the show. Josh is the Vice President of Sales, Marketing, and Customer Success at Rad AI. Prior to joining Rad AI, Josh helped lead the successful commercial efforts at multiple early stage healthcare companies. He has a bachelor's from Texas A&M, an MBA from LSU Shreveport, and a baby number two on the way. So Josh, we're so excited to meet with you today. I want to start here. We're going to get into to Rad AI. We're going to get into your role and, and, and the company and the technology. We really want to learn a little bit more about you. So start us a little, off a little bit with your background. Where are you from and uh, how'd you end up in healthcare? Yeah, well, first off, thanks for having me, Daniel. Was really looking forward to this and, and excited uh, to be on the podcast. I'm from Texas, but I've lived in so many different states as my career has evolved and currently live in Houston, Texas with my wife and my son. And you know, as you mentioned, we're expecting a daughter later on this year. We're just absolutely thrilled about it. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. I started off in banking. And when you are preparing for a second child, you know, you can often be a little bit contemplative and reflective. And so as I've gotten up in the mornings, I've been thinking about, you know, why I chose to break into healthcare. And there were a lot of events, a lot of things that happened that made me want to get into healthcare. But just recently, I was thinking about it. And there was actually one person who really inspired me to make the move. I was working at a very large building materials company. And at the end of my career there, I was an essentially, well, effectively an entrepreneurship we were building a company within this massive company. And while I was there, I got to know this individual named Kevin. And he was hyper-talented. He was an incredible person. He was going back and getting his MBA at the time. And as he uh, finished his MBA, he was being recruited by Guidant to come work for them. And as he was sharing with me about his thought process, sharing with me about the reasons why he wanted to get into healthcare, it crystallized for me a lot of things about focusing on patient care, about making an impact on patients with disruptive technologies. And uh, it was pretty clear to me that I wanted to get into healthcare. It's really, really interesting and similar to how many people find their passion in healthcare industry. And I understand that you started out in medical device sales. And you know, I'd love to hear a little bit about that experience as well as how it prepared you for now being in software and AI, which is such a different sales motion, such a different sales experience than, you know, being in the OR, you know, working with surgeons. Just wonder if you could share a little bit about, about that. Yeah. I mean, I love medical device. I mean, it's really incredible what both larger medical device companies and smaller medical device companies do in particular when they're focused on disruptive technology. How can you take a technology and bring it to market that really has a major and massive impact on patient care? And so, you know, for me, what got me excited about startup companies was working in this entrepreneurship and that I went and left there and was at a family owned healthcare company, helping them commercialize a new product line. And so I liked these smaller family owned seed series, a series B series C companies where you could be making an impact and doing many different things. And 
for me, it's been great over the past three or four years to see these larger medical device companies make changes that I thought they needed to make five years ago. So when I made the decision to get into SaaS, I really felt like medical device in general was not embracing three things. One, AI, data, how you can use the data that's captured by devices really to the benefit of the hospital, healthcare administrators and patients. Two, digital healthcare. It really didn't seem like these companies were embracing it. And three, the commercial efforts of medical device companies were so stuck in the mud. They weren't changing. They weren't evolving. And, you know, for me, the pandemic really highlighted that. And so at a SaaS healthcare company where the process has different parallel paths that it needs to take, there's still a similar movement that you need to identify clinical, strategic, and economic decision makers. And so that was something very similar. But what was different in SaaS healthcare is you had much more freedom to iterate, to experiment, to do more and different things, to bring your message to the market. And so I've been very excited to see medical device companies close that gap in the past couple of years, Daniel. Really interesting. Really interesting. So our show is new and I'm grateful to you for being one of our first guests. You know, as we explore the show over time, you know, some of the themes that we hope to sort through, we touched on a little bit at the beginning are around improving imaging outcomes, addressing burnout, improving and bringing along this AI assisted future and, and whatever that might bring. Rad AI is a company, I think, that delivers on many of those themes and plays quite a significant role there. So maybe let's start there. What's your elevator pitch on Rad AI? Yeah, well, you know, I think before you get into the elevator pitch, you have to understand that AI in general for healthcare and, and really specifically radiology, where AI is the most evolved, this is the graveyard of good intentions. I mean, so many AI companies have come into the market and failed to deliver on their promise. And so as I think about it, one of the things that differentiates Rad AI is we're keeping our ultimate end users, the radiologists and the patients front center. And the reason why we do is because we are co-founded by a radiologist. And that is very rare. It's very rare to have a physician as a co-founder, let alone have a physician who is the specialty in which you're trying to solve problems for. So Rad AI is the fastest growing radiologist-led AI startup, and it's widely considered in the market that we're having the most accretive and assistive impact. So when you think about things that you can track and measure, efficiency, productivity, reduction in burnout, those are all things that we're making meaningful impacts with both of our AI solutions that are in the market right now. And when you talk about radiology co-founders, not just any radiology co-founder, was I reading correctly one of the youngest radiologists in history? Yes, yes, that is correct. So Jeff, happens to be the youngest U.S. radiologist on record and the second youngest doctor on record. Uh, it's really amazing to me what Jeff was accomplishing at a very young age. I don't even remember what I was doing, Daniel. It really wasn't very productive, I don't think. But one of the things that's incredible about Jeff is not only does he have such a massive acumen, he's also one of the kindest individuals that you'll ever meet. And I think that empathy that he has, that kindness that he also demonstrates to other people has certainly informed the way that we develop products. So I understand radiology founded, fast growing, having an, a measurable impact, but what is it? What does it do? How does it work? Yeah, good question. So our, our first AI solution is called Rad AI Omni. 
And what Rad AI Omni does is it automates the impression section of a radiologist report. So if there's anybody on your audience today who, who doesn't know what a, a radiologist does, this is very oversimplified, but essentially they're looking at images. And then as they're looking at those images, they're dictating what are called their findings. And then once they're done dictating those findings based off the images that they're looking at, they then dictate what's called an impression. And I think it probably should be renamed conclusion because in that impression section, what they're doing is summarizing those findings and they're you know, drawing conclusions and they're providing direction about your care as a patient and also giving a feedback to your referring physician on what needs follow-up. And so what Radii Omni does is it automates that impression. It does it in seconds, oftentimes in less than half a second. So what a radiologist might do in 30 seconds, a minute, two minutes, five minutes, we're doing in seconds. And so clearly when you're doing the impression in seconds, and it's customized to the radiologist language because it's trained on all their prior reports, you're driving significant levels of efficiency and productivity. And then the other thing here, Daniel, is you are making a meaningful impact on reducing burnout because about 35% of the words that a radiologist dictates on a daily basis are in that impression section. So if you're taking that burden off the radiologist, you're going to reduce their fatigue for sure. So I was thinking a little bit about this and while it does, you know, reduce the, let's say you take a report that took someone five minutes and now it takes them, them four minutes. And so they're 20% faster. Does it in the end just mean that the radiologist needs to read five reports that day instead of four? And do they just, you know, say, Hey, it takes you less time to do a report now. So you have to do more reports. It's certainly been the story of radiology over the, over time. If you look at, you know, the stats that fly around that say, you know, back in, back in the nineties, radiologists looked at a hundred images per day. And now they look at 10,000 images per day because they're so much more efficient. And, and, and how, do, how do you think about building lasting change in the field? Yeah, it's a great question, Daniel. And I think that this is going to be something that's going to be talked about and thought about for years. So, you know, for us at Rad AI, we certainly don't drive the incentive structure of radiologists or radiology practices. And I know all of their incentives are aligned differently. But as we think about it, not all efficiency translates to productivity. And so there's a fair amount of the efficiency that we drive that will enable a radiologist, if they need to or if they want to, to read more studies. But in doing that, you also free up the radiologist to do things that I think many radiologists feel are the most exciting or rewarding part of their job, which is picking up the phone and talking to a referring physician about a patient care. I mean, if you spend any time talking to radiologists, that's one of the things they miss the most because they just don't have the bandwidth or time. And so those efficiency gains, they're going to make impacts in different areas. And, and maybe sometimes those impacts are going to be ones uh, that people don't want to be impacted but I think it's created enough room to both drive increases in productivity, but also to free up the bandwidth for the radiologist to help drive patient care. Sure. It's certainly something you hear all the time whenever you talk to radiologists, how important it is to talk to the referring physician and build those relationships and how hard it is in today's environment. And so things that we can do to get them closer to the referring physician, if it's possible, I know is something they really want Absolutely. and be a true consultant and partner in solving these patients challenges. And it's so in MRI Online, we invite some of the world's best speakers on to talk, oftentimes people that might have been in the field for 20, 30 years. And that's something that they lament has changed 
the most is the ability to really, you know, work side by side with a neurosurgeon, with an orthopedic surgeon, with a doctor in the emergency room to really help drive that patient care. So one of the things you talked about too was this, um, (laughs) you put it as the graveyard of good intentions, which I I appreciated. I, I think I don't know the exact stat, but something like several billion have been invested in, in, in AI and, and several less than billion have come out so far. Um, obviously, you guys hope to change that among others who are, are starting to have some real traction and success. But most, most have focused on image recognition technology and you're focused on natural language processing, specifically in the report. Talk a little bit more about that. Why, why do you think that ended up being such a good choice for you? How do you how do you sustain that over time as others you know start to think hey that was a pretty neat idea, yeah yeah well you know it it's really interesting and I bet Jeff uh, if he listens to this podcast is going to absolutely hate uh, that I characterize it this way but radiology <laughs> is on the least sexy application of AI for radiology I mean if you're going to focus on something that's exciting and that you know really evokes a lot of emotion. It's image-based AI, and and that really, if you think about the landscape for radiology AI, that's the case. Most AI startups are focused on image interpretation, and I think the reason why we're focused on natural language processing and reporting workflow efficiencies is because Jeff is a radiologist. So he has 10 years of private practice as a radiologist and being a very busy radiologist at that, and so Jeff always had a grounded belief that AI would be accretive and assistive, but he felt like the most impactful approach to AI was focusing on reporting. Because if you think about AI from a global perspective, what is AI good at? It's good at automating repetitive processes. And so if you think about the report, there's a lot of aspects of the report that are repetitive. And so for us, that's why Rad AI Omni has had such a massive impact. It has not mattered if it was a for radiology practice in Vermont or an academic medical center in Philadelphia or a practice that comprised thousands of radiologists. It's having a similar impact. And while we have grown that partnership base, we've amassed a massive data set. And you know, if you talk to any physician data scientist or, or any uh, head of research or machine learning engineer, just by having more data, you get more benefit, you have more impact. And so we will approach a data set of almost 200 million reports by the end of oh, this wow. year. And so it's not only driving the impact that both Omni will make right now, but that also Omni will make in the future, but it's also driving the development of a lot of other products that we have in our portfolio. All still focused on natural language? Yes, I mean, you know, I think one of the things that a startup can do that can cause it to fail really quickly is to try to be uh, everything to everyone. And so we really feel like we are the AI leader in reporting. And so we're going to stay in reporting for a while because uh, we believe there's lots of other opportunities for us to make a meaningful impact there. 200 million reports, that's going to be a big milestone. I know you've had a lot of wins lately being named to one of the top 100 AI companies in the country by CB Insights, the only radiology AI company on this list, as I understand it. You and I are friends on LinkedIn, and every week you seem to be touting a new customer, which is which is fantastic. Um, so, so what's next? Uh, you know, you, you talked a little bit about going deeper in reporting, more expansion into the workflow, like you've done with continuity. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that product. 
maybe going into other verticals? You, you know, are you seeing use cases beyond radiology in the near term? How are you, radiology is in the name, so, so that might be limiting. We've dealt with that a little bit at MRI Online, where we're, we also have courses, quick plug on CT and, and ultrasound and, and PET and everything else. And so how are you thinking about the future? How are you thinking about growth? Yeah, well, I think the first thing is we're thrilled by all the recognition. We, we really are. But I think we're also grounded and we realize that you don't get those recognitions by yourself. You get them because of your partners. And you know, if you think about any company, you want to be product-led, you want to be customer-led. And so for us, we have kept our partners, our customers front and center, and they have informed our product. They have helped us rapidly evolve our product. And so I think, honestly, Daniel, you'll see more recognition about what RADAI is doing. And it's largely driven by the incredible partners that we have all across the country. I mean, I was sharing, certainly we have some very exciting things that are specific to Omni that we'll be talking more about later this year. And you mentioned continuity. Continuity is our platform for closing the loop on significant incidental findings. And our first partner is a two and a half billion dollar health system. And the feedback, the early feedback from them has been amazing. Dr. Mary Jo Cagle is the CEO of Cone Health. She happens to be one of the leaders in healthcare that I most admire. And she talks about the way that this is automating this process that is largely manual and allowing care teams to focus more on patients. And I think what you're going to see, Daniel, over the course of uh, this back half of the year and into 2023 is we will rapidly commercialize that product the way and similar to how we did with Rad AI Omni. And so those partnership announcements that you've gotten used to or conditioned to seeing week after week, <laughs> they're not stopping, Daniel. And, and they certainly won't stop uh, for continuity either. And uh, you know, I promised Jeff, even though I was so excited to be on this podcast, Daniel, I promised Jeff that I wouldn't let uh, the proverbial cat on the bag, but we have some really exciting news that we'll be sharing at RSNA this year about a third product that we think is going to make a massive impact uh, on the radiology market. And, you know, to your question about, you know, are you confined or constrained by your name? We happen to think that all physicians, uh, even if they're not radiologists, cardiologists, oncologists, uh, general surgeons, we, we think they're all rad. And so we will <laughs> embrace them under that umbrella, Daniel. Uh, and, and I think down the road, you'll see us have impact uh, on other specialties as well. Love it. So um, we're a learning company as my day job. And you know, imagine there's a little bit of a learning curve for this product. Talk to us a little bit about how you train customers, how you educate customers, what you see the role is in education. You yeah. certainly newer docs coming in, trying to understand this technology. Well, I mean, first off, I have to say uh, kudos to uh, MRI Online. I think what your company does is very important, especially if you think about the demand for imaging far outpacing the number of radiologists that can service it. And so you're going to have to have radiologists who are looking at studies that maybe they traditionally didn't look at before and having to close the gap in their own learning. So I love what MRI Online is doing. And you know, for us, one of the things that we really benefit from is Radii Omni has a very low learning curve. So it's UI, it's very intuitive, and it's not intervening in a very messy way into a radiologist's workflow. It's zero click. So it's not changing their workflow. And so many radiologists just have it activated and just begin using it. Other products like continuity, they require more training. And also uh, like many SaaS companies, there's always a change management component of SaaS. 
So if you think about why SaaS has failed, it's because software in and of itself and healthcare does not solve problems. People do. And uh, you know, someone much smarter than me told me one time that change management would be easy if people weren't involved, but people are involved. <laughs> and so you know, if I think about it, companies like MRI Online can have a meaningful impact on the way radiology and other specialties embrace change by creating content that helps educate people on how to adopt it seamlessly and frictionlessly, frictionlessly in their workflow. Well, we obviously agree with that. It's very interesting that you've created a product. I've never heard that before. Zero click UI. It just works. Um, I'll have to, to get in and see it a little bit more myself. But the notion that software doesn't solve problems people do is, is very true. And oftentimes more software creates more problems for folks. And so the more that we, you know, certainly one of the things I've found really interesting following the AI adoption has been all the studies showing that AI adds to people's workflow under the promise of gained efficiency comes the reality of increased clicks, increased things to look at and consider, increased data to take in. And, and so uh, more ways that we can find to, to integrate seamlessly, I think will, will be really appreciated by radiologists. Um, okay, last, last question for you, back, back to a personal note, I've, I've loved learning about you and, and Rad AI. You know, I'm a startup founder, I've got a young startup team. I think we're gonna have a lot of healthcare entrepreneurs listening to the show. What advice do you have going from you know, big co to small co, and uh, you know, you've been at Rad AI from really early times, and now you're you're starting to hit some real inflection point moments. Any advice uh, for those interested in startups? Yeah, so I get asked this question all uh, all the time, uh, either through you know people that I'll meet at various conferences or that I used to run into uh, when I was more procedure based in the uh, OR, and then now LinkedIn, you can be connected to somebody like that. So it's a question I get asked all the time. And so who doesn't like an acronym, Daniel? And so when I think about making the move from big company to a startup, you know, I think AIM. So A-I-M. And the A uh, stands uh, for adapt. So, you know, one of the things, if you've succeeded in your career, it hasn't, it hasn't just been because of you. You have learned a lot from other people and you've developed transferable skill sets that you've taken but the reality for those who make that transition from a large company to startup is if you aren't adapting these playbooks, if you aren't adapting these transferable skill sets to fit your market, uh, you're going to fail and, and you'll fail fast. So you have to be adaptive. And then also, it's always changing. What you're doing, the work is changing, the, the, uh, the market that you're going at is changing, the way you're approaching the market is changing. So you have to be adaptive, you have to adapt. And then the I stands for intentional learning. So you know, the great thing about being an intentional learner is you can just start tomorrow. You, you really can. And you have to be if you want to succeed in a startup. And uh, you know, what I mean by that is we have uh, you know, all of these resources. MRI Online is one of them. YouTube is another. There are all these free resources that you can use to help you close the gap in things that you don't know. And you know, there is a lot more focus uh, now on imposter syndrome and who hasn't felt like an imposter in a role. You know, you don't walk into roles and know everything immediately, but if you're an intentional learner, uh, you can close those gaps very fast. And, you know, every startup that I've gone to, I've made a plan for things that I knew that I would need to know. And, and for example, to be specific, when I came to work at Rad AI, I had never drafted a press release before but I knew we were going to be successful. And I knew just like you've seen on LinkedIn that we would broadcast every win that we had. 
And so I had to learn how to write a press release. And so I spent a lot of time like educating myself on it. And, uh, you know, what I have heard may take some teams weeks to do. Myself and uh, the director of revenue ops at the time, we did an hour just by Mm -hmm. training ourselves and teaching ourselves. And then the last one, Daniel, uh, is M. And that stands for mentoring. So, you know, one of the things about culture in the U.S. is, you know, we think that we have to do everything on our own. We think we have to accomplish everything on our own. And that really is counterintuitive to startup culture. You are going to succeed if you both find mentors and are mentored, and also if you mentor others. So I have two mentors right now, uh, David and Mike, and they have been absolutely transformational uh, in the way that I've thought about Rad AI and the way that I've approached Rad AI. And then I also mentor lots of other uh, uh, leaders, those who are uh, new to commercial leadership and even those who aren't commercial leaders. And the easiest way for you to become a domain expert is by teaching other people. Because when you're teaching other people, your ideas are getting pushed back or your ideas are getting adopted or you're, they're getting pressure tested. And so they evolve and they get better. So uh, if you're thinking about making the move from a big company to a startup, I would say take great aim. So adapt, be an intentional learner uh, and be mentored and mentor others. Well, I hope you don't mind if I put that in my next all hands meeting for the team, <laughs> because that is sound advice for everybody in our company, for sure. And for me personally. So Josh, thank you so much for your time today. I've really enjoyed spending time with you and learning more about Rad AI. And we'll be rooting for you to have many more successes to come. Hey, thank you so much, Daniel. This has been an absolute uh, pleasure. And, and thanks so much for having me on. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Radiology Report podcast. Be sure to visit us at the radiologyreportpodcast.com or subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts to join us for our next episode. We are always looking for great guests. If you have someone you'd like to hear on the show, please get in touch with us online.